Jordan and Gretzky, Serena and Ruth Remembering great ones is easy to do But what about the no names who spent their whole lives Long stepping footballs and catching sack flies They're guys, remember that guy some guys now one for five this year eight for 26 the game on a stick right here score penguins remember that guy the show where we mine our memories for nuggets of nostalgia about peripheral players past and present hey there folks i mean one of your hosts james much like that first nhl winter classic i am proud to be coming to you from outside in the cold we're outside and we're cold but the thought of guys is keeping us warm this holiday season diaz back with you once again we have a very special guest with us this episode. He is the Pittsburgh Penguin that nobody talks about enough. Please introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm actually, it's come misconception. I'm not a Pittsburgh Penguin. I am Laszlo, the reporter. Let's do that hockey. I loved watching the mental calculus in Xavier's head of who can I, how can I avoid saying any Penguin is okay? <laughs> Chris Latane, I think would have been a good one. Six assists the other night. You see that? My favorite. I love Chris Letang because the very first time I did like a hockey fantasy league in high school, uh, in a chat with like two other friends while we were doing this and halfway through, I I select him. I was like, oh, hey, guys, did you know what Chris Letang is French for? And and they felt like, oh, I had a fun, interesting fact to share. I said, it's Chris Letang. And uh, they hated me very much for that joke. I will just forever think of Chris Letang for that. So I do agree. I love me some Chris Letang. Love remembering him. I guess we can't remember him yet. He's still playing. And so if he's making memories, who else is this week for you guys? Hockey's the only good thing in sports right now. Both of our Hockey's teams, James, are doing year. great. Other than that, everything else too. sucks. Hey, hey. Also, Flyers are good. We're having a great hockey year. Oh, my God. Flyers are third in the Metropolitan. I did not even know that. I'm looking right now. Holy shit. When did, when did that happen? Caught a fucking this- hot. This flyer season is like the first season of Simmons and Embiid Sixers, where like they've been terrible for so long. And holy shit, what a joyous season this is. There are zero expectations. That is the most fun team to watch. Like, have you ever, I think we've talked about this before, but it's 2022 Orioles. Yeah. The idea that the best team to root for is one that wasn't expected to be good, but is good now and is also expected to be good into the future. Like, what a, what a beautiful time it is. To be oh, a long-time, loyal Philadelphia Flyers fan who has never once talked shit on them as an organization on this podcast. It's because you guys don't have Tony D'Angelo anymore. You got rid of all the bad karma from having we really did. You know, super racist January 6th defendant on your team. Yeah, when we signed him, like, and I understand that it wasn't like they cut Oscar Lindblom to sign Tony D'Angelo. But those are the two transactions that happened sequentially. Sequencing matters. Even if they're not directly related, sequencing matters a whole lot for how you feel about certain transactions. When you cut a cancer survivor to sign as your next move a January 6th attendee slash, we're not saying that, Xavier, you're the lawyer. That was just a joke. But (laughs) he does support it. It's all jokes. It's all jokes. (laughs) He does support it. But no, they're back. They're back. I can still only name like five flyers, though. I, I will admit that. Like Carter Hart. 
uh, Konechny, JVR, Owen Tippett. That's like the one newer guy that I know. It's not great, but I have watched Flyers hockey this season, which I haven't done in like three years. So it is nice. Xavier, how about them Rangers in particular? They're good. Yeah. I like I like the Rangers. I, I, they are tied with the Canucks for most points in the entire league with two less games played. So technically on, on top right now, but they're good. Rangers are good. I can thankfully count on turning on ESPN Plus and watching them and knowing that they're most likely going to win, which I cannot say about any other team that I support. Uh, especially now that the MLB is just the Japanese All-Stars playing for the Dodgers. You literally got Juan Soto like two weeks ago. <laughs> and I told you I'm already afraid that they're gonna the Dodgers are gonna sign him to a 12-year, $550 million contract next year. Because you apparently year they have Aaron unlimited Judge money. And Juan Soto. You have one guaranteed year you, of having Aaron hey, Judge and hey, Juan Soto. You now. say that, you say that, and then the first game of the season, someone's going to get hurt. So yeah, do, do, Giancarlo Stanton will. Giancarlo Stanton will like blow out one of his legs, and that will move on. The Yankees are currently apparently discussing bringing back Jordan Montgomery, who... They traded for Harrison Bader, who sucked, and giving Montgomery as much money as they possibly can because they just need, they do not have five starting pitchers because they traded all of their starting pitching depth for Juan Soto, expecting that they were going to get Yamamoto, who then said that even without Otani, I was always going to be a Dodger. And it's like, all right, well, fuck that. Fuck you. Fuck your agent for, you know, spending so much time to like, yeah, I'm interested in going to either New York team. And I like, tell, tell the Dodgers that the Yankees and Mets are offering this much. Yeah. Tell, tell them that. Tell them that while I eat this really fucking nice steak dinner. Hey, man, we can't be pro player and hate him for the way he did that. Like, no, it's we all can't right. have that philosophical I'll, I'll go, stance. I'll go the other way and say fuck the teams what they're doing to Russell Wilson right now. Benching him because he would not restructure his contract to make sure they sure. don't give him money. So I'll go the other way. Fuck Yamamoto, but fuck the Broncos for being just the pieces of shit and not wanting to pay players. Especially Russell Wilson's been good. I, like, I'm not even a big Russell Wilson fan, but he's been good this year. He's not their problem, but they just he's don't want him. Yeah, he's been better. I wouldn't say he's been good. He's been better. I'm a Jets fan. I will kill at you. least 50 people for a quarterback that has 26 touchdowns and eight picks. Jets would be going to playoffs if they. I will destroy the entire city of Denver for that. Monkeys Paul curls next season, Xavier. You need to deal with the circus that is the Jets having just signed Russell Wilson to compete with Aaron Rodgers. I, honestly, that would just be funny. I could. I don't even know if I can get upset about that. That would just be funny. I'd be like, bring us hard knocks again. It's fine. <laughs> I have. I. I want to return to hockey. If I it has become just wild chaos, but I do have one last thing that I want to say for making memories. It is a negative. If anyone else has any more positives they want to chase this with before we move forward, but there is one last negative I want to share about hockey. So, Hockey NL is the governing body of hockey in Newfoundland and Labrador, the province in Canada. Have you guys heard what they have done recently? Are you aware of this story? No, I can't, I can't say I'd spend enough time thinking about Newfoundland. Well, so I got an ESPN push notification. I'm not going to act like I'm trawling the archives to find out what's going on in Newfoundland and Labrador. But for some reason, I did get this notification. And that is that Hockey NL has gotten rid of the post-game handshake line. 
in all like younger hockey games in Newfoundland and Labrador. This is coming after just a long series of fights, altercations, as the AP release put it, that have occurred recently. Now, when the game ends, the officials just send the kids off ice. They'll do a little... The visiting team will apparently skate by the home team's bench before the game and offer, like, fist taps or stick taps or whatever. And the thing that was just the most frustrating to me when, when I was reading about this in, in the many Canadian publications, the Toronto Star is the one that I got the AP write-up from, uh, they said that this has largely been a pattern of adult behavior that has forced this. And I don't think that's incredibly surprising that like adults are ruining children's sports. But they cited a couple specific things. At a game for nine-year-olds in November, there was a fight that was big enough to get the authorities investigating about whether or not a coach assaulted one of the officials there. And in fact, throughout Newfoundland and Labrador, Hockey NL has been having all of their teenage officials, because they have a lot of volunteer teenagers doing all these hockey games, they have been wearing green armbands this season so that they can specifically say to all of the drunk parents and coaches like, this is a teenager. If you're going to get belligerent and try and fight a referee at your children's hockey game because you have no self-control and are a demon, this is a teenager at the very least. Don't hurt them. And uh, it's it just, there have been many examples in the year 2023 of adults ruining all kinds of youth sports for all kinds of different reasons. And just when you think you've seen it all, we have literally had to ban post-game handshakes in an entire province of Canada for the youth because parents and coaches cannot keep their shit together. It's fucking absurd. And I had to make sure that everyone heard about that. That's just ban the parents. Here. Tell them all wait outside. They can get, they can come in after their kids will come out to them after the game's over. I will say from my experience as a little umpire, I agree hundred percent. The parents are the worst. But I want to also specify specifically, because I did baseball and softball. Softball parents are the absolute worst. The softball players are better than the baseball players. But there's something about softball parents. And I think what it is, because it is the dads. And my theory is that these dads, in their patriarchal views, really wish that these were sons. And they're kind of projecting their anger onto me as the umpire. That was what I felt. It's literally, that's almost exactly the theory that I was going to pause. I was going to say, like, they've gotten so close in their twisted mind, like, shit, I have an athletic kid. If only. Because, again, as we've said, parents just fucking obsessed with kids' genitals for some reason this year. All they need is that Y chromosome. If they had it, why not? But mm. as far as, like, following with something positive, I guess I want to use our forces for good because we were lamenting earlier today in our group chat that we have the ability to curse. So what I want to do is I want to use those powers for good. The Detroit Pistons, as we currently speak, have lost 27 games in a row. It's been a really rough stretch. There hasn't really even been one game where they were particularly close. They've gotten to like the final media timeout and still been within seven. But like, that's the best, right? Yeah, like this, this was probably the closest. The 27th, like they had the lead, I think when I checked with about four and a half minutes left in the fourth, at, I was hoping, I was genuinely hoping there's nothing wrong with there being a three-way tie now for the worst. 
well, for at least single season, as we record, they now have the worst with the 27 in a row. But if we go for over a span of two seasons, it is still my beloved process Sixers who hold the record with 28 losses, 10 at the end of the 14-15 season and 18 to start the 15-16 season. Tonight, they're going to lose to the Celtics. The Celtics are going to blow their doors off. And then on Saturday, they will host the Raptors with the chance to break this record. I'm going to use our forces for good. The Raptors are going to win that game by like 20. It's not even going to be close. It's going to be really sad. And it's going to be horrible for the Pistons fans. The one thing that will be good is we're going to get another round of sell the team chance at their owner. And I think that'll be fun and nice. But it's... I can't believe, I think Monty Williams is the highest paid coach in the NBA. He 100% is. It's, this is not a team that is constructed to be bad. That's the thing about it. Like the process Sixers were supposed to be that bad. This team isn't supposed to be this bad. Well, like, and that's the most frustrating thing because it's like, okay, strategically being bad is terrible. But just actually being bad and being in the dregs, like like the Kings were for so long. And like, you know, thankfully they've emerged. But the Pistons for basically the past decade, other than one season when Blake Griffin sacrificed his knees to drag them to the playoffs. They haven't gotten better. And Monty Williams, 10 million a year. And that's the worst part because they can't just fire him, right? Because they're on the hook for all that money. They could fire him at the end of this season. This season could play out in a way where they fire him. How many losses does it have to get to before they like, okay, you know what? Consecutive, 40. If he lost 40 40 40. games in a row, you you fire him. They make it to the All-Star. How many games that is. Is worth $6 billion. Yeah. Also, I I think there's no way Bobby is coming back next year. Do you want to know Tom Goris's actual name? What is it? It's Tufik Georgius. Almost spelled like the word gorgeous. And Maybe apparently, be honest with himself and with us. They'd be able to he, get over this home. He's Greek Lebanese born in Nazareth and changed his name to Tom Goris in America. Very interesting. Very interesting. That's all I'll say. He's, he can fire Ronnie Williams, hire Diaz to do the same job for 184th the pay and get the exact same results. Hey, I'll negotiate up to 150th. Thank you very much. I just got to say, Spurs fans are very thankful for this. Uh, it's, it's been great it to great have co- this. It's discussion. great cover. Yeah. No, I, it's, it sucks, man. Like, there is no indication that it's part of a greater overwhelming plan. And God, I hope they pull out of this tailspin. Uh, I'm going to try and pull us out of this tailspin because folks, it's the new year. I think the best way that we can ring that in is by bringing in a massive class of guys. And the best way for us to do that is to reconvene the guy Bunal for yet another edition, our eighth one of re litigation. 
wherein we shall re-examine the cases of all of the guys that have been brought up this season. And it's been a season of just banger after banger after banger. Uh, you're all welcome. You're very welcome. We work hard on this and we're glad that we can continue to deliver. But that does make it very difficult now when we look back and recognize that there are just some people we have not been able to bring in that are deserving of it. And so now we've got this loophole in our dark eternal contract that allows us to right some of those wrongs. Diaz, with you having been successful in litigation most recently, I think it is only appropriate that you get us started this time with who it is that we really need to... I'm I'm spinning wheels here. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> no, well... Instead of going with somebody who spun wheels, I want to go with somebody that you brought up, James, that smashed backwards. I want to go back to the very first episode. Daryl Dawkins, Chocolate Thunder, seven other vaguely sexual nicknames. Dr. Duncanstein. Dr. Duncanstein also. If we're going to make sure that we always acknowledge Dr. Kevin Dyson, I feel like we always have to acknowledge Daryl Dawkins as Dr. Duncanstein. Thank you very much. He has, I'm sure, a PhD in some form of dunking. He would probably claim like a PhD in love or something like that, right? That would probably be his PhD. A PhD in love making with a minor in dunking. I think that's what it would be. No, Daryl Dawkins is the absolute shit. Like he would be in the Sixers alumni box at a lot of games, like him and World Be Free, sometimes Allen Iverson. And if he was walking around the concourse during games, like you just felt like this was like a very large warm presence and all of his teammates say it and it is like the greatest tragedy to me of his playing career is he's with the Sixers for all of these years where they get close and they get bounced by the Celtics and then the year before they finally break through he's gone he didn't get what he deserved there like he deserved to be a member of the championship team but if he got the short end of the stick there, I think we need to at least extend another look at him and reconsider if he does deserve the honor of coming into our hall. I'm a big fan of Daryl Dawkins. I had him on uh, on my list for relitigation too. Specifically for the fact that I love player coaches. Especially when you're a player coach for a defunct Canadian basketball team. The man was the winningest coach in team history for the Winnipeg Cyclones in the two years he coached them while also playing for them. He was coach of the year 99 and then played 13 minutes a game off the bench as a 43-year-old. I just I, I love pulling double duty for random Canadian basketball teams. It's pretty good. I mean, I've got no complaints whatsoever. I'm very attached to Daryl Dawkins. I have that personal attachment through... I, I got to make an ice cream flavor for Daryl Dawkins' death, man. I mean, like, I'm never going to have a more personal connection to any of these guys except for the one time that Nancy Faust messaged me. Yeah, love finding out that the backboard breaking and the rule about the jewelry are, are so close together. And I didn't realize he was initially responsible for that rule of jewelry. So fun when I went back with the idea like, oh, this is my one case. And then I got that little extra ammunition there. Uh, it wasn't enough back then but i'm glad that after having this way on your souls recognizing that you were incorrect in in omitting him no roger nielsen's delightful uh I, i'm glad that he's getting brought back here but xavier if dawkins has been scooped from your list let's let you take first crack at diaz's list who you got for us tonight 
All right, so I'm pretty sure I promised Diaz I would get this guy in. He definitely deserves it. So, you know, copying his catchphrase, let's get it on. Bring me Judge Mills Lane. Absolutely. I mean, how can you beat America's judge? The guy who was there for the bite and then had his own random-ass TV show where he was the, the celebrity judge. What a, what a life that is to be, you know... Well, sorry, which TV show was that where he was the celebrity judge? Because after all, I would have two nickels. <laughs> judge Mills Lane! Oh, so not uh, Celebrity Deathmatch. Not Celebrity... Uh, I mean, That's okay. what I'm saying! That's what I'm saying! Two nickels, baby! I mean, I was, th- I was thinking of the one that has his name in it, but that is fair. He was the... Ce- that, was, that was a ref. That wasn't him being a judge. Ah, tomato, tomato. They're all, all deci- they're all deciding things. Yeah. So he's deciding things in the ring. He's deciding things in the claymation ring where people are getting brutally murdered. And he's deciding things on TV where he has a great intro song that Diaz showed us that is just the dumbest thing I've ever, see- I've ever heard. Two, Two just, great intro songs. I'm so glad I remember that experience because I remember that I got to watch the second one before you Xavier, because you had just like scoffed it off. And so I'm just so glad that I could both discover that video from you Diaz in one moment and not 30 seconds later, get to watch someone else discover it. Just a, a beautiful little experience for me. It was beautiful. Mills lane is beautiful. Bald is beautiful. Mills lane is beautiful. We don't have enough guys here who have like courthouses named after them. And so we need to rectify that. <laughs> and we have a we, single guy with a courthouse named after him. If we him. let Mills Lane in, we'll have one. Which means no one can say that we don't have any. Which is a big problem that I've heard from a lot of listeners so far. Sure, yeah. I mean, I love our listeners. They're weirdos just like us. But Mills Lane has the, to be in this hall. Has to. The reigning, defending NCAA welterweight champion. Yes, yes, love an obscure record. I mean, the story was so good that one portion of it made me do an entire category later on just so I could fit it in. Like, another one of those were, oh, it's that guy, and then so many other things are found to have had him there. It, it, he and Dave Phillips, both from that episode, had a lot of that where they kept turning up despite me knowing them from one thing in other instances. And it was just fun to, to learn that over and over. Uh, and I think uh, of those admittedly mills, probably the better representation. So love seeing him get picked here. Well, with that out of the way, James, I think it's your turn. I think it is. And I think I'm going to turn to you X and it's, it's tough. You have an impressive slate here. Uh, I just want to kind of run through it. Don DeLaHaye, while delightful, I think one of those careers where it's a little too short for me when I stack them up to some of these other guys. Like, great guy to remember, but does not have a, a strong enough body of work when now we're doing less, like, how much do they fit a category and just who's the best guy. So, love him, but I think we move on. With Dwayne, we've got some character concerns. Dwayne Chambers. Here's the thing, Xavier. Because you are so anti-PED in other hall things, it does, I think, make me feel very strongly that I can't ever take any of your guys that have PEDs when it's we come fine. back here. I, there are two guys on my list that I think are deserving. The other ones, I'm like, I, I can take it or leave it. 
So Dwayne Chambers, I can take it or leave it. He is not one of the two. He's he's off. And here's the thing. If we're going by drug things, I don't know if we spoke about this, but Brian Berard is actually when I was looking into these he, early. He is the first. He's the, the first, first ever NHL player to test positive for steroids. Yep. He's the he's the first. But did we discuss not- that at all? So we didn't discuss it because the NHL didn't test for it at that point. So they just said, we don't care. Okay. So that was the thing. Like he got banned from international play, but he wasn't playing internationally anyway. And the NHL was like, well, that's not, that's not something we care about. So it wasn't, it didn't feel necessary to bring up just because the main thing he was doing, that league did not care. It's like, it's not even Mitchell report where it's like, well, maybe yeah. these guys are all cheating, but, you know, we're not testing. It's like, no, the NHL just straight up did not give a shit about steroids at this point. So they're like, even if you tested positive, don't care. Don't yeah, care. We're not testing you. It was a very funny superlative that I was surprised you didn't bring up is all. That he is literally the first NHL player to test positive for steroids. But under my interpretation that way of your guys, that does knock him out. I'm I mean, you remember that I was like, I, I, I threw my weight behind Jay Berwanger immediately because I knew that <laughs> because I knew that Brian Berard was like, I wanted to talk about him. I knew he didn't fully fit the category, so like I just, I didn't you know go into all of the extra factoids because I was so heavily against Charles Barkley and for Jay Berwanger. Well, I'm glad then that we have this opportunity to acknowledge that other excellent thing about Brian Berard. I'm left with three absolute titans. It is difficult to pick between the three. I want to give a little acknowledgement to Mario Balotelli. We did have a friend who will be joining us soon tell me that after we put that up, Mario Balotelli, the last person discussed in that episode, which will be the last episode before this guest one airs, the last time we possibly could have scooped the guy that he was thinking of, and we did scoop Mario Balotelli from him, which is a strength. That is a testament to the strength of Mario Balotelli. I do love Balotelli. And it is for that reason all the much more impressive, I think, that I still cannot bear to turn away from Penny Taylor. I can't say no to Penny Taylor. Interesting, interesting. I will admit part of it is, I think it writes the wrong of Tully Bevilacqua from so long ago. I think this this kind of, in a lot of ways, avenges that, while she is much more of a star than Tully Bevilacqua, that supporting character from the those at Australian generation like Penny Taylor could still kind of be considered a guy of that Australian generation if only because Lauren Jackson was like the guy on those teams definitely not as much as Tully Bevilacqua but I also like that then we come to the Mercury and like Penny Taylor is very much a partner of Diana Taurasi's, and then of course later, much more of a partner of Diana Taurasi's, which Diana is Diana Taurasi's secret girlfriend. Yeah, like what do I know? The guy who's Diana Taurasi's secret girlfriend. That's a pretty good guy thing, if we gotta sum it up in one line. And the fact that you did get an Australian character, Fruit Boomerang guys, I mean, like, come on. Crocky. Crocky. Damn it, beat me to it. Crocky. Um, yeah, I, I feel strongly that from your list, Savior, I gotta go Penny Taylor. Penny was on my short list. It's, it's a great call. We need to honor Australian basketball because I feel like a lot of times Ben Simmons gets associated with Australian basketball more (laughs) than he should. And it's like, no, like they renounced him. Like if I could get permission from 
representative will say the Australian diaspora that I met at a baseball game this summer. He had some feelings about our friend Mr. Simmons. The real authority. Ben Simmons is a fuckwit. <laughs> I've always thought he was a fuckwit. Ever since his freshman year at LSU. Always hated him. Everyone in Australia for years and years kept saying, this guy's great. He's the best. We all love Ben Simmons. Everyone's wearing Ben Simmons jerseys. Everyone's watching the games. I'm like, why is everyone like this guy? Finally, he has proved me in the last three years. More right than ever you could even Every time. Fuckwit, I think, is a very good word for him. No, Australian basketball is not about Ben Simmons. Australian basketball is about Penny Taylor. And Lauren Jackson and Tully Pavalacqua and a whole host of, of others. Course. Yes, yeah, Pennington. Yes. When I have a chance here to like honor this Australian basketball team that we have just become acquainted with in many stories, I I think we've gone too many times of going through this team to to not finally put someone in. Just one other Australian basketball name, Joe Ingles. I think. Yes. A yeah. Future candidate. And Patty Mills. A future candidate. Patty Mills as well. Patty future Mills candidate. is a fucking guy, man. <laughs> But no, I'm sorry. I've scooped you, Diaz. You've been scooped. So let's go ahead and see now of your remaining shortlist for Xavier's. Who are we going with? Well, it's Penny off the board. I'm left with two that you also were considering. Brian Burrard, Mario Balotelli. And I do love the story of Burrard's resilience to come back from being... He was considered legally blind in the one eye, correct? Yes. To be able to come back from an injury that leaves you with that and still be NHL level, like obviously did not reach the heights that he could have as well, which is another pro in his basket uh, for guy consideration. But to me, the tiebreaker between the two has to be if we cheated Leon out of Balotelli being his guy to present, I think we, the least we can do is put Balotelli into this hole. I think we can overlook the active player clause in this instance, and I do think that we can induct Mario Balotelli. I mean, you know I love Balotelli. My 10-plus pages of notes will we'll agree it's, with that. It was one of the most passionate pleas you've ever made. I want to give you full credit for that. I mean this wholeheartedly as a complimentary thing. Like it was 100% one of the times you've just gotten deepest into a guy and clearly pleaded for their inclusion. And I think deservingly so. I mean, why always me? Why always me, man? But this also would help us, you know, we don't have any Manchester fireworks ambassadors in in the hall at this point. And, And we could change that as well, too. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure we don't have anyone with that distinction. Would be the first, and then we can add it to the record of first. What are some other firsts that Mario Balotelli gets us? Uh, I don't think we have an Italian soccer player yet. We don't have many soccer players. It's good to round that out. It's good that this is allowing us to round that sport out a little bit, just as Mills Lane gives us a little bit of uh, that fighting sport representation. Do we have any Italians, like just in general? DiVincenzo is an Italian, right? He just has an Italian-sounding name. Uh, yeah, he was Argentinian. Arturo Gatti? Does Arturo Gatti count as Italian? I forget. He's Italian-Canadian, but he was born in Canada. Okay. I mean, he's, he's kind of Italian in like that Pauly D way. Sure. I mean, yeah, then he would be the first like Italian-Italian as far as I can see on the list. All right, well, there we go. Adding some Italians. 
Yeah. No, another place we are we are sorely lacking in talking with our hands. As as recompense for dooming Tommy DeVito by mentioning him, let us make this up to the Italian American community. He had his time in the sun. It was always going to be a linsanity. We knew that. He has at the very least secured a career as at worst the third string quarterback for the Giants for the next like ten years. And he'll probably just be the straight-up backup, I would think. And then us talking about him in 15 years. Be like, hey, remember, remember Tommy DeVito? He will be remembered. Like, you know, weep not for... Tis better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all, Giants fans. Within the next five years, there will be one playoff run where Giants starting quarterback, whoever it is at that point, gets injured in, like, week 16. And it's going to be like, all right, well, shit. You know, the Giants are the one seed, but in comes Tommy DeVito. Will he have his Nick Foles moment? I will look forward to it. It might be the only time I would ever root for the Giants. All right. So we've got both of Xavier's submissions knocked in. Penny Taylor and Mario Balotelli. Xavier, with that being taken care of, I turn to you to see who is our fifth person to bring back up this week. Yeah, so real quick, I do just want to say I apologize to Keiichi Suchia. I thought he would be one to get in. The three he was that, the third. He was, he was the, the third. The, the three that I thought had a chance were Penny, KG, and Balotelli. So, you know, it, it is what it is. He will still and forever be the Drift King. But turning away from that, I have to go back to probably my favorite topic we've had this season, which was the Teen Titans topic. And I had a great time talking about Tara Lipinski, Todd Murnovich, and Nadia Komenich. That week, I was successful at getting Tara Lipinski, local Philadelphian, Udell trainee. You know, that helped a bit with that. But when you look at the actual, like, measurable success as a teenager, it's really hard to beat Nadia Komenich. I mean, we Tara, have... Tara probably could have. If she hadn't... Take yeah, pro, but yes. at the end of the day, N- Nadia yes. did it. Yeah. Five Olympic golds, two world championships. What was it like 10 or nine or 10 European championships? She was unbeatable for a long stretch of in the gymnastics world of like five or six years, which sounds short, but other than Simone Biles, you don't really see a stretch like that of multiple Olympic games. It's usually, I mean, honestly, it's almost one and done now just because of the strain that puts on your body. There, There is nothing tougher on a teenage body than gymnastics. I will die on that hill. That's why the, all the training is terrible and all the people who train them are probably abusive and their bodies are broken after by the time they're 19. So I want to recognize the fact that she was so dominant throughout her entire teenage career. And for, you know, a a team that or for a country that is not really that known for it. it's it's one thing if it's the Soviets where you can assume that they were just pumping up with drugs or at that time, East or West Germany, which we also know we're cheating. But she did this for the great country of Romania. And well, we, don't, like- we don't give enough credit to Romania. I remember watching the 2000 through 2008 Olympics. And I remember in all four years, like Romania being another one of the countries that competed and like would have a star maybe and occasionally being contender for the overall team. 
So he knew it was one, but going back and realizing that it hadn't really been until she came around gave me a really big appreciation while I was learning about Nadia Komenis, just to kind of like say what I really loved. I, I agree that I think this is, of everyone else left, the correct choice to go with. I, I think it is because to know that my perception of a country's Olympic standing was largely in part due to the person that I was going to discuss was uh, very, very cool to realize. And now we can also say that we have someone in our, actually, I think this might be the second person in the hall who's been untouched by an angel. I think we might have two. Definitely first Romanian. Probably first person untouched by an angel. I don't know. I think think Tara Lipinski was untouched by an angel. Were they, did we talk about this? Two people in one episode that were both untouched by an angel? Okay, so it looks like Nadia Comaneci was on it in 97 and Tara Lipinski in 99. So yes, we this is two people from the same of our episodes, but two years apart on the US TV show Touched by an Angel. Man, ships passing in the night. We never would have known that if we didn't try to remember Nadia Comaneci today. How wonderful. But with that... Diaz, bring us home. Oh, no, this will be me selecting oh, Diaz. Did I forget? Oh, yeah. Sorry. but got I, No, it's all good. I, I very intentionally set this up with me coming in at the end because I know that it was only me because of the format of this that could initiate what I think is going to be the conversation that maybe tears this guy Bunel apart once and for all. Oh, no. We have to figure out. Okay, okay. Let's, let's set it up. Let's set it up. Akil Carr and Earl Manigal both feel like very similar stories in a lot of ways. Similar in terms of kind of their cult status. I appreciate them both a lot. If we have to resort to something to diffuse the situation we're going to get to into shortly, I'll probably go with one of them, honestly. Only one did not hit someone with the car as far as we know. Yeah, I'm probably not going to, like as much as I want to do the Baltimore boy, it's probably not going to be the one with the car. Like Earl Manigal is probably my backup here. I, delighted in that and his demons seem to have not hit anyone with a car so that's demons that i prefer over some other demons here and uh diaz you got a lot of guys with demons in this one you got a lot of guys with uh like really serious drug problems guys who have hit people with cars kim duk q guys who died in the ring it's it's a rough cast i'll I'll admit that (laughs) But look, what what is a guy if not a person in pursuit of redemption? True. You know, that's that's kind of an interesting arc for the one that we do have to talk about because this guy at one point looks like he's going to be the anointed savior. Turns into years later, the fucking break glass in case of emergency and is a legend and the question is whether or not that legend status precludes this guy's status because we have to have a conversation about nick Foles. because i know that diaz and i support this i know that diaz and i support this but i don't want to just like fucking bulldoze xavier here i want us to have a discussion about like i it, the, it might even require one of the most concrete definitions of what is and is not a guy that we've had at this point. Cause I need to know where we stand as an institution on Nick Foles. It feels so much like guy, but I hear you like, yes, there is, there is a statue. 
there are people named after him. A generation of Nicks will grow up or, or falls or some like variation of that at some point. There's going to be so many people. In, I, I don't know what's 18 years after that Super Bowl. Check all of the high school yearbooks that year for the senior year to see how many fucking Nicks there are. I understand the concerns, but it he just feels like such a fucking guy, dude. He's he's big dick Nick. He's foot long foals. He is a guy. James, want to be pleasantly surprised? I have no desire to fight against Nick Foles. Diaz helped Nick Foles' case, bringing Charles Barkley, who's even less of a guy. That it comparatively it makes Nick Foles look better. <laughs> to the point Guess where, not checkers. Where he get, <laughs> I said I said during Charles Barkley that we should have a new a new test of in the public conscience currently or not instead of retired or not because I think it kind of makes it better where we can't like we're remembering people that we're not thinking of. Yeah. Unlike Charles Barkley, who we are thinking of, and Nick Foles, the city of Philadelphia thinks of. Maybe some pissed off uh, New England Patriots fans think of him like every once in a while. But this podcast is not just Philadelphia as much as it feels like it sometimes. But to the general public, Nick Foles is not in the public conscience. And when we talk about him, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember Nick Foles. So because of how bad the Charles Barkley argument was, the Nick Foles argument looks much, much better. And can I, can I say, so literally in the city of Baltimore today, on my lunch break, I went for a little bike ride. I went out to Fort McHenry by work, doing a lap around the water. I see a dude running with a Phillies drawstring bag on his back. And what is that underneath the bag? It's a number nine Nick Foles jersey. Like, I, I had already come to the decision that this was going to be the hill we had to die on tonight. But, like, it, I remembered Nick Foles in that moment. I've been writing in my notebook about him, like, two hours earlier. And then I still got to have the moment because he had, in just those two hours, fade away for a sec. He doesn't exist in the public consciousness today until you remember Nick Foles. Until you remember that guy, Xavier, I'm glad that you've seen the light. Diaz, do you have anything to add in veneration? Well, obviously, I'm, I'm delighted to see Nick come in. And I think, Xavier, you make the good point where I think our standards should read the national consciousness. And the Philadelphia consciousness, I think, it's not that he's top of mind at all times, but I will say there has to be at least one WIP caller within the past three weeks who's been watching the Eagles and has called in and said, you know, Nick Foles won us the Super Bowl and we need to go and bring him in because Jalen Hurts isn't going to win it. Nick Foles, I don't know what he's doing, but he's ready. If Joe Flacco can do this with the Browns, think of what Nick Foles can do with these birds. A.J. Brown's just better Alshon. Look what he did with Alshon. There are people making that argument. Um, but I do think he's far enough removed from the national consciousness, the Philadelphia consciousness, to be worthy of the this consideration for admission into the hall. Well, I'm, I'm frankly very glad that that was not the debate that I was prepared for. Diaz, what forward thinking you have with Charles Barkley there. Truly, you are the master st strategist here. And thanks to your strategery, we've got, it sounds like, unless we have any further discussion, six guys to bring into our big, beautiful hall to kick off this new year. 
Yeah, it's 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 a wonder. Happy New Year to everybody listening to us on New Year's Day. Some of you may be stumbling back either to or from the Mummers Parade if you're in Philadelphia. Those people wear some silly outfits. And one thing that we've always maintained is that we are silly. We try not to take ourselves too seriously. We do try to take this hall seriously, though, which is why we, we put our egos to the side. And we do this every season where we reconsider, we relitigate, and we do come up with six people to admit into our hall. Nadia Comanese, Daryl Dawkins, Mills Lane, Mario Balotelli, the pride of Australian basketball, Penny Taylor, and the pride of Philadelphia, Nick Foles. Welcome into the Hall of Guy. Welcome one and all from the basement. Thank you for being patient in your stay. Um, so I have, it's funny that both Diaz and I decided going into this because of our conversation earlier, we each had to have some kind of bit about predictions because yes, we do have a cursing power and this is something I'm going to spring on Diaz and Xavier real quick before we wrap up this episode, folks, because I do want to get one last thing in before we head out. I want us to each on this first day of the new year, make a genuine prediction for something we think is going to happen. And I just want to see what happens with those three. I want us to like, we're not trying to reverse curse here. We know that we can successfully reverse curse. Thanks to Nick Sirianni's previous performance until we acknowledged it and ruined all of that because we have some kind of dark magic. And I just want to see what that dark magic does. If we can all now think forward the whole year, 2024, what's something that's going to happen this year. Do you want our genuine predictions or do you want us to like Costanza? This Gen- no, 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 no. Genuine prediction. Because it doesn't work if it's not genuine. I have predictions for every single sport that I follow. I, hey, lay them on me. Arsenal will finish second in the, in the Premier League, make the semifinals of the Champions League, but win the FA Cup. Okay. The Jets will start off very hot next year with Aaron Rodgers, and then he will tear his Achilles again behind the offensive line, and they will lose eight games in a row and miss the playoffs. <laughs> the Rangers will make it to the conference finals and be up three games to two, and then lose to the Boston Bruins in a game seven at home at the Garden. Okay. The Knicks will finish fifth and lose in the first round to the Orlando Magic. And the Yankees will finish over 500 again and miss the playoffs by two games behind the Baltimore Orioles. Okay. Diaz, you got anything good? You know, I'm wearing my B-Ball Paul hoodie. I have the logo tattooed onto my body. And I got to say, this is the year. This is the year. Take it however you want. This is the year. I love those vibes. I was debating whether I was going to say what I'm about to say, but you know what, Diaz? I've, I struggle with positivity here in sports, as we all know. And I think your braveness there has just pushed me over the edge to say this. I think the Ravens are winning the Super Bowl, man. I think the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl this year. I also and... think the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl this year. There we go. Now it's doubled up. Now it's fucking never happening. <laughs> the field is right um, there. Um, I will be the contrarian. And I did just put 
a little bit of a, a wager down. It is Joe Flacco's year as well. I, it is. Will you year. find any complaints here? Oh my God. AFC championship game in Baltimore. James is there. It's Ravens versus Browns. And Lamar you know what, I mean, and Joe dual combined for 700 yards in nine passing touchdowns. I'd be confident as hell because like I said, I think the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. Um, so we will see what happens with all of those, but you will have to continue to check in with us if you're going to do that. Now, the best place to do that is just here on the episodes every week. And I mean, hey, if you want to share the show, that is the easiest way to do it. So that your friends and anyone else you think might enjoy it can come and join us every Monday as well. But of course, if you want to do it at any other time, you can find everything at bit.ly slash remember that guy, all one word, all lowercase. You can use that to find us on Discord. You can use it to find us on Blue Sky. Those are two of the spaces where we are sharing the guys of the day that is coming back up at the start of this next calendar year after taking a little holiday break. Hey, in addition to every episode being a banger, most of the guys of the day are being a banger. So if you enjoy this, I do recommend checking that out wherever you would like to. There are plenty of spaces to do it. Uh, we do thank you for joining us here in this space, but we, of course, thank the people that make this space possible. Those are producer Craig and all the coders behind him and our musical director, Don Ham. not to mention my two goddamn gorgeous co-hosts here. Sorry, my gorgeous co-hosts and our very special guests. My sincere apologies there for uh, non-correct titles. Anywho, yeah, I don't know. That's all I got, guys. Uh, anything else before we head out? I just want to state it very clearly because I didn't quite say it all the way. The Sixers are going to win the 2024 NBA Finals. Hell yeah. Say it with your whole damn chest. But here's, here's going to be the thing. Just as with Steph Curry's first title, he didn't get to win the MVP. It's going to be Tyrese Maxey. And B's not going to get his Finals MVP yet. I don't think he'll mind. Me neither. <laughs> Xavier, any final words? Uh, no, nothing for me. Then I will let my final words be that I have been one of your hosts, James. I've been the very special guest, Xavier. I've been Diaz, and in the spirit of the new year, some people are making New Year's resolutions, and we too promise that we will participate in Guy January. Oh, dry January. There you go. I've been there doing that for two years. <laughs> more, more of an impressive achievement for some of us than others. <laughs>